Welcome to Climate Insiders, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the climate revolution. My name is Johan Berno, and I'm on a mission to shake things up. It is time we get serious and address this climate crisis. In each episode, I'll provide a platform for top climate thinkers, entrepreneurs, and investors to share their insights, innovations, and contrarian views. Let's learn from visionary thought leaders and hear their ideas that can profoundly reshape society and bring us one step closer to a sustainable world. Hey guys, in today's show, I'm receiving Lubomila Jordanova, the co-founder of Plan A. We dig into a lot of personal stuff, how to become a great woman CEO, the sacrifices to make and tips to avoid burnout, how to build a personal brand while building an organization, and how to face the unavoidable imposter syndrome and structure a support network that takes you out of your bubble. And we then collect insights on the business side, how to combat greenwashing at scale, where should money go, software versus hardware innovation, how Plan A wants to scale to 1 million companies in the next 10 years, and whether COP28 was a success, and the role of oil and gas in all this. So much ground covered. Let's go. Lubo Mila, welcome to Climate Insiders. Thank you so much for having me, Yuan. All right. So as I always start the shows, I would love to know how your best friend would describe or finish the sentence, Lubomila is dot, dot, dot. Optimistic, a little bit crazy, <laughs> committed and passionate, uh, and someone that you can have a lot of insightful conversations, not only about sustainability, but other topics on. All right, so let, let me zero in the crazy part. Why are you so crazy? <laughs> I fortunately or unfortunately have dedicated my last six years to climate change i feel proud of the work that we've been able to do and i deeply associate myself to what i do uh but it has been a lot of crazy uh decisions that had to be made along the way to make sure that i'm aligned to the vision to the strategy but also to a larger context of a problem set that we are addressing where you need to navigate a lot of stakeholders, you need to get a lot of people uh, excited. And uh, it has been crazy, uh, not only for me and my team, uh, but also just the ever-changing ecosystem environment has mm -hmm. made me a little bit uh, more wild and committed, I would say, because uh, you see a lot of uh, challenges along the way that you need to tackle. You've turned into a politician. You're using terms like <laughs> challenges. <laughs> Actually, we're going to take this opportunity to go more personal. You know, people have not, might not have uh, heard you on a personal note or something like this. They would like to get acquainted a bit more. And then we're going to come back to the business stuff later on. How does that sound? That sounds good. Definitely a different format than the usual. All right. So um, it's, by the way, a great pleasure to have seen your rise from uh, the early days in Berlin to... Germany and then beyond Germany. So congrats and congrats on the recent milestones, by the way, for closing that Series A, $27 million. Uh, that's pretty hefty. So now you're a full on. Uh, but I also wanted to take that chance to go back to those early days and how much of a grind has this journey been to get this company off the ground? I mean, was it an overnight success uh, or a total uh, grind to find the right model, hire the right people, assemble the team, keep the lights on? If six years considered uh, as part of this journey uh, to be digested into overnight, uh, I guess it has been overnight. It definitely feels so because sometimes I'm even 
shocked by my own energy uh, to continuously find new excitement and enthusiasm to do what we do. Uh, on a personal level, it has not been always easy because for the first three years of the journey was fairly challenging to gather funds, uh, to get mm -hmm. any visibility and also to find stakeholders that really wanted to work with us beyond uh, maybe high-fiving us that it's really cool to work on sustainability. I had to learn to deal with my confidence, to take care of my mental health, to select the people that are around me uh, for the fact that they believe in me as a human, not as Lubomila that has built Plan A. And uh, it has been fairly uh, interesting to go through this journey, not always the easiest, but definitely looking back on it uh, with a lot of gratitude. How do you handle mental health? I mean, this is a big topic right now and uh, more people are speaking up as particularly women, very important that we share our learnings. How do you deal with this? Any tricks? Meditation, um, going on walks by yourself, having dinners by yourself in a restaurant, testing yourself on different passions and talents. I've kicked off more hobbies uh, in the last 12 months that I have not finished or excelled in, but at least I've tried, which has been interesting. Um, and ultimately, uh, using the strengths that you have, I believe that I'm someone that is really positive, a little bit sometimes naively positive and uh, believing in people, but I've used that to transform it into something that inspires others. And it keeps me going because it uh, has been certainly not always the most straightforward to build a company that in the context of the time when I kicked it off, didn't necessarily make a lot of sense because people are not understanding sustainability as a return on investment for businesses. Well, so you mentioned uh, having dinners on your own. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Is it just, does it help uh, strengthen your confidence or it just takes you out of your bubble? I think it's just going out on a dinner with yourself and uh, in the same way that you would go with friends, uh, you would just sit somewhere, contemplate. I write a lot. So having a notebook is always helpful or a mm -hmm. phone that is well charged. Um, and discussing with yourself, contemplating what has been going on, how do you feel? I have to travel a lot for work. And uh, quite often my schedule is pretty tight because I go at a place, have to deliver a speech, meet clients, uh, meet prospects, and then uh, spend time with the team. Uh, and there's always the option to opt in for a dinner where you are either organizing uh, people that you want to spend time with because they're in the same city, or you might decide to just be uh, by yourself. I've been testing myself in the last few months what it is to go out and be uh, with this notebook rather than with other people. And it's helpful because it just creates space uh, and uh, also allowance for you uh, to reflect which I believe is really important. And, and by the way, so since you're scaling up the team and you're always surrounded by people, how much of an extrovert do you need to be to survive in this environment? I mean, is, is there any chance for introverted people to reach those, those uh, levels? I recently had a conversation with another founder about this whole concept. And I think we're always battling between the two concepts. While maybe historically there's a lot of theories about someone being a defined extrovert or a defined introvert, I would consider myself somewhere in the middle and I navigate between the two depending on the situation, but also on the sequence of situations that I've been in uh, in the last months. Sometimes I need the time by myself. Sometimes I'm heavily dependent on 
spending time with people, recharging by saying uh, funny things to a, a group of friends uh, or just people that you don't even uh, know. I do believe that there's truth in a balance. And uh, I would say lately I've been a uh, happy uh, extroverted introvert. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm more of a, what, or the other way around, depending on how you structure it. But did you also have to set up a, a, a support network, right? People that are completely outside of that game, right? So there are more, I always refer back to the, the ancient, uh, you know, Eastern philosophy, the yin and yang, right? The yang is the driving force and then the yin is the grounding force. And, and uh, having artists or nurses or, you know, people that are completely unrelated to the business ecosystem is helpful because we're so stuck in that bubble. Do you have that? Or on the contrary, you're more surrounded by other entrepreneurs and investors? As a normal consequence of the day-to-day, -day, I do spend a lot of time with people, even not only from the tech space, but also the climate tech space in particular. But I am lucky to have a best friend since I was in high school that also lives in Berlin that is uh, making movies. And she is a person that is not only deeply embedded in the movie-making uh, uh, artistic space, but also is someone that has been exploring a lot of different forms of creativity uh, to uh, creating her own movies, but also contributing to other projects in the ad space, in the marketing space, music videos for big stars uh, in the pop scene. So that gives me a different context and also a lot of hope because through creativity, you actually see that people have the allowance to speak up without uh, a lot of words and without three-hour uh, uh, movie, but maybe through a 10-minute uh, one where there's not even a single uh, music note or the voice of someone being used. This is incredibly impressive because in the tech scene, we're always fixated on pitch decks and speaking mm -hmm. up and going at events in front of audiences. I have a lot of appreciation for different forms of expression, and she's been teaching me a lot uh, about how I can be a different uh, version of myself as well. Did you ever have imposter syndrome? Oh, for sure. And that's because at the end of the day, when you're a woman building a company, a first-time founder, you have a lot of big shoes to fill in people's minds, and it has been an interesting journey to also remove myself from this whole uh, competitive mindset, but rather mm -hmm. be someone that is a contributor to society rather than a person that is fixated on trying to pretend to be someone else or copy someone else's behavior. Authenticity is a key element to existence. And I think the more we spend time on deliberating on this, the more likely we are uh, to feel fulfilled and motivated by our own life. Can I challenge that a little bit? Because you've been really good at winning that seduction game, which is required to win all the titles and distinctions like Forbes 30 under 30, Obama leaders, MIT under 35 innovators. I mean, you, you, you've been really good at this, but how does that really work in the background? Is, is pure authenticity sufficient or do you have to seduce people, hang out around the red circles? It seems to be a game of branding and visibility. Funnily enough, Planet has never paid for a single speech that I have given. Uh, we've been actually overwhelmed positively by the excitement for the mission that we have. And that has reflected not only opportunities for me to speak, but also a lot of my team members. We have been uh, active on social media uh, before maybe 
some of these channels were used for uh, education. I remember the time when I was posting uh, four, five years back, first stages of Plan A, and I would get three, five likes of the posts that I was doing, always focus on education. Uh, I don't like to brag. Like, I think it's important to showcase success, but only as a milestone that allows for others to build a reflection on you that doesn't require for you to send them emails. Uh, and it has been uh, a pure uh, process related to making sure that we work with the problem that we have that is really big, explain concepts and get people excited to be part of this journey. And since you mentioned LinkedIn, probably right as one of the social networks that you leverage quite well, uh, any advice you could share on building a personal brand? It seems like it's all almost inevitable. And there are two camps. There are those that are kind of, you know, tunneling on their product and they want to, you know, master the craft and then they will get the recognition for it. And the other saying that along the way, even if you're kind of faking it until you make it in a sort of way, because it, this is what it takes, right? It's a step case kind of scenario. Uh, any advice on building a personal brand? Should you kind of go all in? Should you grind and figuring out on your own? There's never been a recipe for success for me for this particular topic because there's never been a strategy behind it. Uh, the truth is, up until a few weeks ago, I was managing the marketing team in Plan A. We're now lucky to have an incredibly seasoned uh, professional, Carol, that just joined us from LinkedIn, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. But uh, the reality is that we have been... Uh, over-concerned as a company on education, and that has helped a lot. I believe that anyone that is looking into uh, connecting the dots between their mission for their business uh, to maybe a reflection on them as a leader needs to understand that they come to this kind of network, uh, be it LinkedIn or others, uh, with specific know-how that others can benefit from, and this is the only way you can gain uh, the possibility of others engaging. For us, this has been an incredibly inspiring channel to find not only talent, but also connect the dots between projects and support people, uh, support communities, and also find uh, companies that trust us and showcase why already companies are trusting us for a while. And and so you started planning six years ago, but there's really been a, an acceleration on your presence at events, panels, speaking engagement. Was it a winning strategy? is sort of trying to plant the flag in as many places as possible to be there and the voice. Did it pay off? I mean, clearly it did for you, but is it the, is it the winning strategy from a marketing perspective? I work against the clock and that's really problematic because when you're fighting climate change, when you're supporting businesses to transform, when you want to make sure that they stay economically viable, you know that there's a timeline and uh, the legislation is one element to it, but just statistics about climate change are showing that we have five to seven years really to fix things mm -hmm. with a lot of power, a lot of capital, a lot of intensity resources and also uh, intelligence related to decision makers being involved. I've not gone on stages to build my own brand, but really to be there to inspire people and excite people to go on this journey themselves. And uh, we have been making sure that we stay relevant by never saying the same story, by always explaining the progression of this community, but also making sure that uh, 
we connect the dots uh, by others. It's never been about me. It's always been about the the importance of the topic, the importance of economic stability and how this connects uh, sustainability and progress uh, for, for humanity. So has it been a strategy? I don't think so, because as I said, there's been um, very little uh, resources up until a few years back for the company. We've just always been striving for uh, uh, stability of the economy and the prosperity of humanity, which pays off to the extent that one day we see climate change finish. At this point, we're not done yet. Uh, it's just one can't help but wonder how you're managing to juggle with all this, right? To so be kind of the marketing head, being present everywhere. You say that you're hoping from one flight to the other, a conference to another. It's just a, a nonstop grind. And yet, um, hand handling also the internal matters, right? Is the is the right? Um, how did you how do you do all this? You know, did you hire someone, or did you have to allocate assign someone internally to be the internal minister, and you're kind of the foreign minister? <laughs> No possibility for planning like that because the truth is the growth has been mostly accelerated in the last one and a half years. I have been an incredibly disciplined person for the last few years in terms of how I manage my time. I've been studying a lot of tactics, reading a lot of books about this, but also trusting my intuition when I know someone in the company needs my help. There's also a very solid operational excellence approach that I've developed. Uh, the Juggling has been true to the extent that maybe people see on the outside that there's a lot of speaking at conferences, but I adore the most spending time with my team and making sure that they are empowered. They get the opportunity to learn from me, from the external engagements that we have. And I love spending time to another stakeholder that I believe is also internal and that's our clients. Uh, it's so exciting to learn from companies that are going on this transformational journey because They just teach you a lot that you can then use to teach others. Uh, has it been always easy? Have I always been perfect in that? I don't think so. Uh, it did take like especially 2023 to become especially capable because the juggling was uh, really complex. Uh, sometimes I've been in three to four cities uh, within Germany within a week uh, or even going across Europe. Uh, we've been trying to make sure that we are uh, um, kind of staying relevant, but uh, I'm always uh, getting to inbox zero, uh, and this is uh, something that I'm happy with. No Slack messages that are not responded to, as well as also uh, no uh, disengagement with the team, which allows me also to see talent uh, develop and unfold. How do you avoid burnout with all this? I've questioned myself even in the last few days if I had in the last few months burnout, and I think I... Still cannot answer the question. I do definitely can feel at the end of the year that I want to take some time off. Uh, but the truth is uh, sleep, water, uh, good food, time out, walking, uh, and also uh, focusing on health on all levels has been super helpful. Uh, and uh, going back to what I said earlier, uh, time... Uh, Uh, with good people, in a nice community, also sometimes when needed in front of the notebook, helps a lot because it has allowed me to see that uh, I need to rely on others. Like I'm in a team of 100 and plus people and uh, the company is not an extension of me. It's the job of every single one of us to contribute. So um, burnout is only possible if you're trying to overcompensate for someone else, maybe uh, not Uh, delivering on their own work or them not being empowered. So focusing on this bit probably allows uh, for you to not uh, 
demotivate yourself or lose energy. I just have uh, the feeling that as a founder, you always find yourself in a sort of uh, short versus long game, right? The long game, you know, you can't sustain this for decades, but it is a short term, short game, right? In a way that you always look uh, in front the six months, 12 months out. This is the runway you have. You need to execute on milestones. This is the objective you're setting for yourself and the team. And so you're, if you consider a, a sort of battery, your life vitality, you, you're kind of making a trade-off saying, I'm going to tap into this, even though I'm going to get white hair, wrinkles, and it's going to affect my physical health uh, because it's going to pay off over the long run. But I know internally that I just can't sustain that. Do you feel that way or you, you could sustain this forever? <laughs> Honestly speaking. <laughs> The most important bit in the last few years for me is really to study myself and learn as much as I can about the things that trigger me to be positive, trigger me to be energetic. And these are fixes that don't work for every single person on the planet. But having always the right amount of water, uh, always being uh, uh, at the time when you're tired away from your computer, Having the change of scenery, I'm someone that doesn't like to sit in the same spot, even in the office, but also in a city, uh, allows me to think differently. These are the tricks that have worked for me quite a lot. And the battery recharges as you also uh, get to know yourself, I would say. Um, this internalization of this journey really allows for you to say stop uh, when you cannot handle things anymore and also to allow for others to step in and take care of you, uh, which has been a lesson that I've not learned in the easiest way, but uh, with a few years of practice, it uh, comes out uh, well. You come back to the water part a lot. <laughs> Is there a trick there? How much, how many liters do you drink per day? Four. And, Four? Uh, oh. Yeah. And it allows me to uh, have the... Little break with the water, but also having the possibility to be uh, particularly good at uh, taking care of my body because we're, we're water. Uh, I was just speaking at an event recently and the way we finished it was be water, my friend. I guess it's a metaphor, but also a practical thing. So, yeah. I hope you use a filter though, because the water in Berlin is pretty crappy. <laughs> I have been using a filter. So good tip, I guess, for all the listeners. Right. It's very essential. So an, another thing is uh, the VC world, right? Cracking that fundraising and definitely being a personal brand, occupying the space helps. It seems to me, what's your feeling there? Do you think it's almost essential these days to have a, a charismatic founder that is sort of really present, especially in a frontier market where things are new? I mean, let's face it, most of the climate tech VCs are still trying to figure things out, especially on the hardware side. Uh, but the generalist VCs want to tip into the software land to greenify their portfolio in a little bit, in a way. But they don't have the expertise they're trying to learn. And so they would rather stand with someone who seems charismatic that has a personal brand. Uh, do you think that's a mega attribute or they're looking at the product first? A sustainable business is one that is only uh, sustainable, not only environmentally, but also economically. And we've been lucky for the last three and a half years to be supported by some of the most prominent, but also from a personal perspective, I can confirm helpful VCs, HV Capital, Demeter, Keen, Lightspeed, uh, also Illusion, um, a lot of founders of phenomenal companies of the likes of uh, Supercell, Zalando, Flixbus. Ivan, uh, Smartly, Vault. And these are all people uh, that are incredibly in tune with how to build a sustainable business. 
the founder is a key element to the success of a company, but the founder is never alone because execution is only as good as the team is good. Um, I have been assessing a lot the climate tech space and the climate tech investors. Uh, we have only one such on the cap table, and this is Demeter, which is one of those VCs that even in the clean tech points uh, uh, one uh, version uh, was already investing heavily in renewable energy. And uh, they've given us like a lot of lessons uh, about how not to do things, because obviously this was not uh, always the most successful stage of the development of our community. For the rest, we have... Uh, a lot of the traditional VCs, why we've trusted them is because they've developed a thesis uh, and they trusted us that we understood the science, while on the other hand, they knew what they should teach us and help us with when it comes to building a sustainable business because they've seen thousands of portfolio companies um, all together, but also uh, even a few more thousand uh, just prospects on a yearly basis, companies that wanted to get funding from them. We are going to get to a point where social impact becomes part of the decision making of uh, any VC. We're still not there and therefore we still have this maybe division, uh, climate tech VC or a VC with a specific social impact angle uh, versus the traditional ones. I truly believe that even the work that we do with Plan A can allow for these KPIs to be aligned better. And you're mentioning that you're picking them, but there's... Do you, do you think your your the brand and the story and all that stuff has has been enough to convince them, right? To create no. enough FOMO, not at all. You had to demonstrate grind on the due diligence, et cetera, et cetera, like such as any other founder. Not at all. Uh, it has been an incredibly important uh, element to assess product. We have a super complex product uh, for some of our clients. We're assessing twenty million data points a month. Mm -hmm. We are uh, having a scientific team that is led by someone that has been for 10 years in uh, OECD. Uh, we have a chief product officer that has led product in Trivago before the IPO. Uh, we have a, a customer success lead that has been doing uh, expansion in VIA. I can continue listing a set of experts that have been uh, contributing to this journey. Every single one of them has been part of not only the material preparation for the funding round, but also as part of the conversations. And um, I am there uh, not as a talking head. I, of course, have developed the strategy since the beginning of the company, uh, but I have been lucky uh, even in the early days to be surrounded by a lot of seasoned people that have led to the success that we have. Companies like BMW, you don't trust you because you have a nice story to tell. They trust you because you can solve a problem for them in a more digital, more economically viable manner, um, in a more innovative manner, uh, and uh, in a way that they can trust you're going to be there for the next few years. This is not maybe the typical startup game. Uh, this is the game of actually working against the clock to address the corporate sustainability challenge. And so it's good, a good segue to, to Plan A. So you're trying to help companies like BMW uh, track their entire net zero journey. That's, that's where you kind of how you frame it into one comprehensive platform. That how, do, how does the onboarding look like? BMW comes to you, you plug into their system and voila, boom, you get some report. No, it's, it's a complex, uh, you have to deal with all the stakeholders, suppliers to gather all the data. I'll use an example of an incredibly exciting uh, client. Uh, this is uh, a fashion company in Scandinavia called Ghani. We've been working with them for the last three and a half years. And the question, how do you onboard them, obviously has a different answer uh, as we've scaled. 
from today's perspective, the Plan A product is a software as a service platform for decarbonization and policy tracking. We allow for businesses to stay compliant and align to that a set of targets that can be achieved with uh, hundreds of recommendations that we give within the product. When you are a mid-sized company, onboarding normally is involving sustainability professionals, finance professionals uh, on uh, the larger scale side, on the corporate side, clients like KFC, BMW, uh, European Commission. You're talking about sometimes, in some cases, hundreds of people using the platform uh, at the same time, which means uh, as a first step, you need to align this journey and thinking uh, around sustainability around this educational piece, which is a critical element to our existence since the beginning. The example of Ghani, uh, I started with because they're one of the most impressive companies we've worked with from the commitment on decarbonization perspective. Why? Because when they came first to us, they actually only wanted to create a social impact report. This was the goal of this professional that was leading the efforts then. Since then, uh, she has uh, kicked off and led uh, the sustainability efforts there. Um, and even they now are at the stage where they have a materials of the future department, which is incredibly exciting because you see how your contribution to the company, the use of the software, the engagement with our team can lead to this transformed thinking within the company itself. Um, we have other examples like Chloe, for example, that I'm on the sustainability board there. This is a big fashion uh, brand. They're part of a big family and they have had uh, a lot of effort uh, and a lot of achievement on the social impact level, on the sustainability level. And this has also resulted in uh, improvements even in their financial results, purely related to the fact that uh, there has been uh, an understanding that uh, sustainability is a return on investment for businesses. Yeah, and can I be provocative in for a minute or find a, bring up a spiky topic? Let's talk about greenwashing for a little bit because you deal with with corporates, right? And some corporates are notorious for venturing in the land of hiding stuff up so that it, you know, they make the story um, to their favor. Uh, so you, how do you deal with this? When they come to you, they offer juicy contracts. They, um, you know, it, it might be the difference between death or, or a great sales quarter for you if you sign a $2 million contract. Would you decline that multi-million dollar contract if you, you sense there's a bit of greenwashing involved in that? We have been since day one with a big focus on science. The first uh, full-time employee of Plan A was someone that uh, uh, was working in Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. Since then, we've built a scientific board, which is of some of the most incredible professionals within the space coming from banking, sustainable finance, but also the UN, other organizations like Climate Kick, uh, also Jordan Project and uh, Regen Intel. These are organizations that are there as a sounding board for this value proposition that needs to be aligned not only to values, but also to data. And with this in mind, we have been incredibly selective of how companies come to us. Uh, the starting point of a business is not one to be judged because awareness is different across organizations and industries. Sometimes businesses come to us and they are uh, overly fixated on this uh, compliance topic. They're like, we want the CSG report. We want to tick off the box. We want to make sure that we are aligned with the law. And this is a totally legitimate way to kick off. Our job after that is really to make sure that they 
develop a mindset, a psyche about the importance of investing in sustainability on a transformative for the business level. Other companies that have come in the past to us saying we just want to do some offsetting have been uh, kindly suggested to go to some of uh, the other companies that are in the space. And um, we have been uh, absolutely respectful to these value propositions because if the project is validated, if uh, the project is certified, if there's data behind it, observation, even sometimes with satellites, this allows for you to know that your money are doing uh, the good work. I would say uh, we have been making sure that we are always aligned with science and the decarbonization bit is now the critical value proposition that we have. Um, the good news is that uh, legislation is helping anyone that has maybe wanted to sell sustainability without doing sustainability uh, to know that they don't have any more business to do. And what I'm saying this is in the UK, there's the Green Labeling, Green Advertising Act that came in place. In the EU, there's climate neutrality that will be banned uh, in less than two years, uh, which is uh, to only be possible as a label if you are a allowing uh, for your audiences, for the legislators to justify this through data. These are signals that the uh, greenwashing uh, history uh, of companies is not going to be allowed anymore. We're lucky to work in segments which are really prominently out there so we can be tested because the logos are on our website. Fashion, automotive, finance, uh, there's a lot of companies that uh, have a long way to go. Uh, the reason why we have trusted to put our name behind uh, them is because we have seen uh, the decision maker within the organization that is willing to put budgets behind decarbonization. We know that uh, they publicly have made commitments and we are the kind of company that doesn't shy away from speaking up and being open. So uh, this question doesn't feel uncomfortable as we know uh, how we've gone through these processes along the way. Yeah, so, so you're playing an important role. How can we crack this at scale though? Do we need a green brand label? So I don't know if you know the application Yuka which is huge in France and other parts of Europe. So literally you scan the barcode of consumer products like at the supermarket and it gives you a score zero to 100. Zero or 10 is pretty crappy. It's very bad for your health. 90 to 100 is really, really healthy. Sustainability sourced, no alcohol, no crap stuff that you can't digest um, or even creams or lotions. Or... Do you envision that kind of app to make it so easy and transparent across the board for consumers so that people that are buying their products they know instantly whether that's greenwashed or not. I think it's a little bit more complex than that. Labels are a beautiful thing, but at the end of the day, even if you buy a T-shirt, you throw away the label and you quite often maybe didn't even read what's on the content. This app, I'm sure, is used and this value proposition exists in many different countries. What I trust uh, is much needed is the depth of understanding that the transformation of a business starts from people. And when you're talking about corporates, you're looking into hundreds of thousands of employees in some cases that uh, might uh, comfortably uh, be bashed publicly because they didn't uh, immediately change their value proposition. We need to understand that behind every company, there's a history. Um, we have so many examples of uh, companies that has been economy defining and Maybe they never actually assessed these ESG criteria. Once they did, they maybe freaked out and decided to change. If they didn't, then they will be uh, at 
the mercy of the European Commission as a result of the corporate sustainability reporting directive or other types of formats which are asking for this transformative element of a business. So for those of the audience that don't know, CSRD also includes a part of the legislation that requires for businesses to report on how are they creating positive impact now and later uh, uh, down the, the line for uh, the economy. I have been looking into a lot of the corporates that we work with. And what's really interesting is that uh, those that have woken up to the fact that they need to change, uh, probably the ones that shy away from speaking too loud, which opens up space for maybe some critic to say uh, something. In the automotive space, for example, there is a deadline uh, for you to actually be able to produce combustion engine cars. And what I've seen in BMW, that is an automotive company that has been obviously uh, producing combustion engine uh, cars, is that they've gone through an incredible transformation over the last few years. And we've been lucky to work with them for close to four years, where they've had uh, this year an announcement of a car that is produced with 50% less materials. We also launched a white label product with their fleet management company to get their corporate clients to reduce their emissions by switching to EVs. This is a company that probably at the get-go had a lot of work to do, but took the last few years really to align stakeholders and empower uh, these hundreds and thousands of employees to think about sustainability on a day-to-day -day basis. There's probably plenty of economies uh, and industries that we can give as an example where a lot of work still needs to be done. I trust that everyone is allowed to transform. Uh, there's just a set of industries that are taking a little bit longer than others. Now, if we zoom back out from Planet to the rest of climate tech, there is a long debate. I mean, let, let's put it this way. Uh, Planet A is a software company. But some are arguing are we... that we should route most of the capital to hardware companies. What do you feel? How, how do you look at this dichotomy, software versus hardware, in terms of where should the money go? I actually uh, believe that Plan A is uh, not only a software, but also a hardware company plus a university. The first product that we released in 2017 was uh, Academy. And this is the place where we have hundreds of original pieces that have been written by scientists, by experts, by uh, our team to explain to people how they think about sustainability. On the software side, it's quite clear, as I was mentioning, we're processing millions of data points a month for our clients, which are now uh, more than 1,500. And on the hardware side, this is the extension, the impact that we're creating by uh, supporting our clients to think about these materials of the future departments that I was mentioning. When I remove myself from plan A, because we're part of the ecosystem, but as any clock, you have a lot of cocks to it, uh, we... Uh, enabling our clients to actually identify this innovation and invest in it related to hardware. Uh, with Ghani, I'm thinking a few years back, we organized a dinner where we invited uh, 20 innovators. And out of that, there was two pilots that came out for physical transformation of products. Uh, there's incredible set of companies in the Green Tech Alliance. We have more than 5,000 companies now. Uh, the is a wealth of them that are focused on hardware. This transformation of the economy, all the work that we do as well, it's not going to be possible without uh, heavy lifting on the scaling of incredible hardware innovation. I hope investors also are going to identify that uh, hardware is not hard. It's actually uh, a matter of 
understanding how sustainable business is built, because as we know, anything that requires a lot of working capital, a lot of R&D is a product that is bound uh, to fail, but through experimentation can be a lot more solid than uh, maybe even a software that switches uh, from one value proposition to another. And I, I want to ask a few rapid fire questions like that. And we'd love to get your, um, your stance on all this. COP28, is that a success for you or a failure? Success personally, as I was able to connect with the people that are transforming businesses, chief sustainability officers, people from our investor uh, group, as well as also innovators, uh, indigenous people, NGOs. From the perspective of what this event stands for, it is not there to explain to people the work has been done. It's just to say we kicked it off. So I would say um, it's just one element of the many that we need to be assessing when we think of success or not. So from a humanity perspective, do you think does we need to continue trending in that direction? The cops will get us out of the problem or, or not really? If we rely on one single event to try to get us out of problems, we're probably uh, not really good at studying history. History has showed us that uh, there's a sequence of events that lead to a domino effect that changes the trajectory of history. And the only way we can scale uh, our capacity to have positive impact on humanity individually and also as communities is when we learn from the past. COP is an identifier in a timestamp, uh, in a time period, which allows for you to know that we have done work, but also we've not finished it. Climate change is a really complex set of issues. It's not one single issue, and this needs to be unpacked. And everyone needs to do their bits, be it on waste management, on water, on biodiversity, carbon accounting, other topics, to make sure that we're all aligned uh, alongside uh, a value proposition that is better for humanity. I don't get disappointed by these events. And the reason why I participate in so many is because I truly believe that each one of those is allowing for us to see progress, but also to see uh, regress. If we're not uh, learning, then probably uh, we've missed something. The role of oil and gas, in your opinion, or if we were to flip the question around and say, would you take oil and gas money on your cap table or... or uh... We have financial institutions on our cap table that definitely have a part of their portfolio related to oil and gas. The reason why we started working with them is because they not only publicly, but also in the way that they've been working with us in the last two years, have validated through investment that they are funding decarbonization and we act as a vehicle for this to be assessed, validated, uh, certified, and then translated into financing that they would do. Oil and gas is an interesting industry because they have uh, obviously a horizontal contribution to the economy because they are the reason why plastic exists. They're the reason why transportation logistics exists. The biggest challenge that I have and why we don't work directly with oil and gas is because uh, we have not seen uh, significant amounts of investments in uh, renewables as part of the portfolio of the investments that they're making. And while we've been confronted with opportunities to start working with them, I uh, even think of a project where we were offered like a significant amount of money at a time when seven digit deals did not exist on our balance sheet. Uh, we said kindly no, because they bluntly told us, uh, we're just going to use your name and don't expect anything mm -hmm. else to come out of that. And so that's, that's kind of a, a, a sort of a greenwashing 2.0 in a way, right? And what do you think of carbon offsets along the same lines? Use 
at scale by airlines in particular. What do you think of those? Carbon offsets have gone through a big uh, uh, set of challenges in the last few years as an industry because there's been a clear justification that when an industry is commoditized too early, there is uh, maybe uh, an opportunity for mismanagement of resources. I believe in offsets, uh, credits, as long as there is clear data behind them, there's a way for you to track what has happened and for you to show a return on investment on this contribution to a community or contribution to solving a big scale problem or the scaling of renewable energy. There was an interesting set of discussions at COP specifically dedicated to biodiversity credits. And for me, this maybe goes into offset 10.0, where rather than thinking of CO2 uh, uh, is translated into uh, some numbers of credits, you rather consider this as our protection of the biodiversity, uh, our protection of the natural uh, habitat, uh, and also species allows us uh, to really scale the efforts uh, of an organization that is making sure that uh, nature is uh, in a good shape down the line and improves uh, as a lot of these projects also work uh, to improve a certain set of communities. Carbon removals have obviously been uh, growing a lot uh, in prominence. Uh, we work with uh, different uh, sets of partners um, and one that is also a light speed portfolio company, super critical, is doing an incredible job. I would say the most uh, important bit is when we talk about any kind of credits is really to fixate on three things, data, tracking and transparency along the way of the existence of the credit. And finally, uh, longevity of the community contribution. How do we make sure that this is not a, a monoculture uh, uh, plantation uh, of trees? How do we make sure that this is not a renewable energy park that is displacing uh, people these considerations are to me important, and this is how we've been also selecting uh, partners uh, along the way. And final question, because time is running out, as Plan A, what's the end game for Plan A at the company level? What, kind of, what do you tell your employees, the sort of vision 2035? We're lucky to work on a topic where the end game for every single person that works in this company is a little bit more complex than uh, simply saying uh, this is the timestamp for the exit, for the IPO. Rather, we really want to have a positive contribution on the economy. For us, the key KPI is the transformation of uh, over a million businesses within the next few years. And that is uh, something we're working uh, against the clock on uh, and uh, with a lot of uh, dependency on unfolding value chains for our clients the most inspiring bit, of course, is making sure that the team uh, is uh, happy and is able to deliver on this. And that is a kind of a, a correlation of two elements, how you externally are contributing uh, heavily dependent on the internal side. Well, thanks so much, Lubomla, for this awesome conversation. Really appreciate it. Very insightful to follow your journey. I wish you to address this million customers in the next decade. That is 100x fold to what you have right now. So this we is a... don't have problems with uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks all of you guys for tuning in. If you haven't already, sign up for my weekly newsletter. Along with receiving updates about each new episode, you will also get one actionable insight every Saturday to boost your career, fund a startup. 
My newsletter is value-packed, authentic, and full of unique insights. This newsletter is also the best way to join our growing community of climate investors. We found that building a community is probably the ultimate force multiplier, and it gives us the momentum we need to create profound change. Let's share and collaborate. I'm just here to empower you to get started and set you on a path to success so our collective ideas can flourish and expand. Come join us to drive huge impacts.